So he says this right here. He says, where no oxes are, the crib. Y'all like that translation, right? That's in the Bible. He says, where no, where no oxen are, everybody say what? The crib is clean. The crib is clean. Meaning, said like this, let's use it another way. Where there's no pollution, the heart is clean. Where there's no pollution, the heart is clean. Because Proverbs also says it like this, above all things, guard your heart because out of it flows every issue of life. So what he's saying is if we don't guard our heart, if we let the oxen in, just in the crib, in your heart, the pollution from the outside in, everything on the outside will be polluted and contaminated and your relationships will be messy. Messy with mail. That's why God talks about guard your heart. So, taking notes, I've titled this message. Keep your crib clean. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for this great church. We thank you for everyone in attendance, Father. We thank you for the beautiful city of L.A. We thank you for what we're going to experience through this church, what we get to part of, be a part of, Father, we, we thank you and we're so grateful, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and we thank you for everything that's going to happen once we serve this city that we love. Give you all the honor and hope one day my hair can look as good as Pastor Chad's and it can grow back in the name of Jesus. Everybody says, amen, amen. Man, I might grow it back. Hey, yo, have anybody... Got a friend in here they ever gave you, like, bad advice? And that's, that gets messy right there. Like, bro, you giving me bad advice. Like, you knew, it was, you, you knew it was bad. Like, she told you to holler at him. You knew he had 13 baby mamas. You knew it wasn't good. Like, but she said, oh, no, he going to do right this time. Give him a shot. He going to church. He's serving on a production team. But you just knew it was going to be bad. Right, you just knew it. It was gonna be, it was gonna be horrible. The worst idea. Man, I had a friend of mine when I uh, first got married to Kai. They do, they do real estate. You know, you got the real estate mogul. They just do real estate. Like he just know everything. Bro, first of all, I'm renting an apartment. Why am I talking to you? Like I don't need, a, I don't need a mogul. I need Yellow Pages. I need Google. You know what I'm saying? But he gave me all this advice because he's a real estate mogul. But I'm renting an apartment, right? So he like, he like, nah, bro. I got the best place you should, you should rent. Y'all should get a nice apartment downtown. You know what I'm saying? It is cool. You and your wife, one bedroom because y'all, you know, you just want to stay close to each other. Man, I listened to him. I knew I shouldn't have did it. I knew I should have rented a house somewhere, space. Now, me and Kai get in an argument. I go, I go in the next room, next room right there. I don't have that option. Like, it's like, it's, yo, you know what? It's over. Man, I'm, I'm going out. That's how far I went. You know what I'm saying? So we get that, Jules. So I, so I get the crib, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, this is it. And Kai, she, you know, she, this, this is our first time being married. Really? First time. And she lets me make all the decisions. So I'm like, oh, I got this, I got this, I got this. So I made a decision to get the one bedroom, right? On top of each other, all the time. Not like that, but, you know, we, like the bedroom, guys. Come on, y'all. Stop it. All right. So, 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 so now, 
I get up every morning to pray and Kai stay in the back. So I get up, do my little devotion, and it's early. Like, I get up real early because I got bad habits. Just get up early. I go pray. I get in there, and I hear something. It's just like, I'm like, yo, what is that? I'm like, it's big. What is it? I'm thinking it's outside by the window because the window right there now. Refrigerator right there. Cop over there. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just like, what is that? So, yo, Jules, I walk in the kitchen, and I just hear, I get closer to I'm like, yo, what is this? I open the drawer. I don't see it. I see residue. And it was this big. So if his residue was this big, how big was it? So I go, so it's got a hole in the drawer. All my Halloween candy ate up. I'm talking about Reese's Pieces. You're talking about eating a whole thing. It didn't eat a whole thing. It ate them, right? You know, I'm talking about like the Skittles. Like it ate the green ones only. It left the red, purple. Like it only like green Skittles. Like it has a preference. You know what I'm saying? So, so I go down and, and I see a hole and I look through the next and it's a hole that go to the next drawer. So I go in the next drawer to lasagna down there like the little noodles. It ate them too. So I'm going, I'm like, yo, what is going? And I go to the next one. It eats the magazines. And it's got like a little tunnel. So I'm like, I can't tell Kyle because I picked this apart now. <laughs> Kyle wake up at eight. I wake up at five. So I name him. I name the rat Debo. He big. So I'm like, Kyle never going to hear the rat because the rat, he go to sleep. Once he eat in the morning, he go back to sleep. So I get up the next morning. <laughs> I'm praying. I'm like, that's just Debo. I'm going to leave do it. Just don't do that when Kyle get up. Yo, I hit a trash can fall over. Boom. I'm like, I go in there. The trash can is on the floor. I guess D-Born jumped in the trash can and was so big, he was able to knock it over and crawl out. Yo, it was crazy. So the next day, I go to, I, I go to sleep. It's Saturday. So I'm like, Yo, you know what? I'm going to sleep in. Cool. I'm like this. I wake up, Kai's gone. I'm like, she go hit deep. Yo, all you hear is, ah! I go in, she's, hus- she's hysterical. She's crying, snot coming out her nose. Like she, I'm talking about it's bad. I'm like, Kai, what did you see? I see the possum. It was so big. Like, I don't know, no, no, no. And I seen him and he's just over there like this. Just looking at us. And I'm talking about, like, he got quads and everything. I'm talking about he got a gluteus maximus. Like, like he's big, yo. Like, his tail is just huge. He's got the rivets in his tails. Look like Master Splinter on Ninja Turtles. Like, he's ill. And he's looking like, and his whiskers just, he's like, I wish you would. Try. Like, he's from Brooklyn. Like, he's from Compton. And he just, he, he, like, sea walking. I wish you would try something. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Jules, I'm like, yo, who left the door open to let this rat in? He's eating our food. He's eating our lunch. What are we going to do? We might say that, but how many times have we left our heart open to a fence? And a fence is eating our lunch and it's getting into everything that we didn't intend it for because we let something in our life that we don't want in our life and now it's contaminating everything. We have to keep our crib clean.
because the enemy's trying to come in our crib. He will come in through a window. He will come in through a door. He will come in through anything because he wants to make all our relationships messy. Because he knows if he can make our crib dirty, our life will be dirty. And guess what? If our life is dirty, L.A.'s dirty. Compton's dirty. Inglewood's dirty. Hollywood's dirty. The nation is dirty. Ukraine is dirty right now. Not because of war. It's crazy because the crib of somebody's heart was not clean. So we're talking about this heart and we're talking about our relationships because they can be messy. They can be full of madness. But I believe they're only messy and they're full of madness because we don't watch out for one ox. And I think the ox is this. Offense. That's the only thing I want to deal with today is offense. I think the ox is just only offense. Think about it. Offense. Because now when we let the ox in, which is the spirit of offense, it puts us in offense. And it's four walls to an offense. Say it another way. It's four walls to offense. So now in our heart is offense. In our life is offense. Nobody can get in and Jesus can't get out because we're stuck in offense. And the first thing that we see that comes because it's four walls, so we see four components to the wall. And the first wall is expectations. 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 I expect all people to be perfect. Hold on. That is false if I've ever heard one. All people are not El Shaddai. They're not Elohim. They're not God. They're not Jehovah Jireh, my provider. They're not Jesus Christ himself. All relationships are not perfect because people are perfect. So therefore, I'm not about to put expectations on people to be perfect. First wall. Expectations. Expectations. And then we have the second wall. Because once we set false expectations up, what we then do is when that happens, the second wall comes is skepticism. We'll just get skeptical. Y'all ever met a skeptical person? They're just skeptical. Oh, it's raining outside. No, it's not. Bro, that is rain, bro. Like, no, it's wet. It didn't come from the side. It came from the top. Like, why are you so, why are you angry? Oh, man, Jesus is good. Well, really? Bad things happen to good people. I mean, come on, man. I'm just trying to say God good. Why are you so skeptical? Could it be because he got expectations on somebody that someone never asked for? And he's building a fence because the enemy's trying to put the ox in his heart to get his crib dirty so his life will be messy and his relationships will too? So you get the first one, expectations, then you get skepticism, and then the next thing you get is judgment. That's the second wall. But the enemy's trying to build his heart in our, he's trying to build this in our heart to make our crib dirty to make our heart dirty, to make our life dirty. Because above all, guard your heart because out of it flows every issue of life. And the enemy's so strategic in what he's doing. Expectations. Be skeptical. Thirdly, judge. Just be judgmental. You ever notice you can put something on Instagram and everybody judge you? Bro, I took a picture with my mask on. That didn't tell nobody my political views. It was a mask. What, why, why, why are you judging me? Like, like stop it. Everything can be judgmental. Think about our nation right now, guys. Think about the world. Judgment. Judgment. 
You look like this. You sound like this. So you must be this. You think like this. You dress like this. So you must be this. You wear this. You talk to them. You're cool with them. So you must be this. It's only one judge. And that's God Opera. That's Jehovah Jireh that has the gavel that said, guess what? Man is not guilty. I judge him. I cut the case. Close the book. But yet we want to take his place and judge. Could it be we're judging only because we have expectations, which became skeptical. Now it allows for judgment. And the last wall to complete the wall is isolation, which is separation. So now we just want to be separated from everybody because we're skeptical of everyone, because we have judged everything. And now we're isolated by ourselves, don't want to get in a small group, don't want to go to workout, don't want to commit to people, don't want to get in another relationship because we think, hey, this is not going to work only because we're stuck in the spirit of offense. That's right, offense. I remember this guy that, um, I seen this happen. I seen it. Play football. And he got in trouble by his coach. His coach set him down on the bench. And he's like, yo, I'm going to prove everybody wrong. I'm going I'm to I'm prove everybody. Everybody's wrong about me. And he started drinking and messing with girls and stuff. I've seen it. And then he's able to go to the NFL after that. But his life turned from when his coach set him on the bench because he had an expectation on his coach to never set him on the bench. But it's his coach. His coach can do it. He's the coach. So now he started to be skeptical of everyone. Then he started to judge everybody, and then he started to isolate himself. So he cut his ACL in the NFL, and then we watched this. And he started to sell drugs because he wanted to show everybody he could have the same type of money that his friends had. And he went on this journey of selling drugs for a stint of six years. And one day he was doing a drug deal in Arizona, and the feds was investigating him for four years. And he found himself in a jail cell doing everything under the sun and it all started because he had an expectation for his coach to never discipline him and set him on the bench. How did the bench six years later become a cell? Could it be because he was in a prison in his heart? It produced a prison in his life. Look at the death in his eyes. Look at this. I think I got a picture of him. It was male so well versus United States of America. I didn't know what I was doing. That's me. Oh, yeah. Homie, I didn't know what I was doing until I was there one day in that prison cell seven by seven. I was in a natural prison cell, but six years prior, I've been in a spiritual cell because my heart wasn't clean, because I did not keep my crib clean. I contemplated suicide. I didn't know what to do. I spent five years in prison because I was five years in prison. So I don't know what you may be going through, but you might be saying right now, I'm kind of offended. I don't want to I don't want to forgive somebody and I'm struggling with this in my heart. But I'm, I'm telling you, please clean your crib. You don't want offense in your heart because it'll show up in your life. God died to get us out of offense. Because that's not where we belong. It's not where we belong. 
So make a long story short, I got to come back to tell the rest. Got to come back. So a guy ended up crossing the line because in prison, white and black, they, they, know, they, they just don't do it. So it was a guy that came to me one day and he said, you know what? Jesus loves you. But everybody was watching like, yo, why is this white guy about to talk to this black guy? Why are you about to cross that line? He was doing the very same thing that you're going to do Saturday. You're going to go out and you're going to cross the line and serve someone. And you're going to be somewhere that you're not supposed to be because there's a lot of people in our city, in our community that's stuck in a fence because of that and this and this and that. But we're saying God loves you. You can come out of a fence and have great relationships because relationships don't deserve to be messy. And he gave me Jesus. And it changed my life. On year five, he crossed the line and gave me Jesus. And now because of the gift that he gave me, that Jesus purchased my salvation, I'm standing here with you guys because Jesus was willing to say, Mayo, you do not deserve any offense. So, keys, oh my God, oh my God, my, my, my God can come up and just make everything sound like it's good. Like that, I got his beanie on. With a good mustache and beard at the same time. Oh, you know you look good, bro. Chill. <laughs> you know you rock. Look at, watch this. Check him out, y'all. Check him out. You married? Don't get messy. He gave me Jesus, man. He gave me Jesus. And Jesus said to me, he taught me, he said, hey, Mayo, this started from an expectation that created skepticism, responded judgment, It ended with isolation. You were stuck in a fence by yourself five years. I don't want that for anyone in this room. Because he paid to get us out of a fence. We were stuck in death, hell, and the grave. Stuck for eternity in a fence. And he went to hell for three days to get us out of a fence so that we can live free and we don't have messy relationships. It doesn't matter if you're dating or married, the person that you're in a relationship with, it doesn't deserve to be messy. But for that not to be messy, this must not be messy. So we must agree to keep our crib clean. So we do one thing, just one thing, one thing, just one, one thing I would love for us to all do, just one. And it's something I learned to stop the expectations. And it will stop the spirit of offense from even starting. And that thing is this. Close the case. What do you mean by close the case? Close the case. Close the case. 
I'm going to keep saying, close the case. To keep our crib clean, we got to close the case. Like, close it. What do you mean close the case? Mayo, close. Please, just, please, this, this, I pray that we can close the case, guys. Because the expectations on people can be so enormous. And the enemy's trying to put us to put these expectations on someone and everyone that come around us. We got an expectation for them, expectation for them. And now he can come in and start the prison of offense right there with expectations. We must close the case that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. Case closed. No matter what I'm doing. Case closed. Jesus will never leave you. He will never leave you. He will never leave you. He will never leave you. If you're online, he will never leave you. Case closed. Case closed. Because if he would never leave us, no, this is so good. If he would never leave us, do you know what that means? I don't have an expectation for them because he would never leave me and I got him. And when God is near, everything I need is here. That's the rhythm of Christianity. We got to learn a rhythm. It's a rhythm. It's a rhythm. Watch Paul saying it. Watch, watch, watch Paul show us his rhythm in Philippians, I think, chapter 4. We'll put it real quick, and I'm going to go sit down. Because we don't get this. Because this is the spirit of this house. In Philippians chapter 4, I think Paul is talking about it. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 4. Boom. Watch this. Now, this is Paul in prison. Not in prison. But Paul is in prison. He's not in prison. Paul is in prison for preaching freedom. He's telling everybody how to be free and to be delivered out of offense. So, therefore, they threw Paul in offense. But Paul wasn't in offense. So, Paul says, rejoice. Hold on, Paul. You're in prison and you're rejoicing. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I say again, do what? I say again, do what? Here we go. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Paul, you're in prison. The Lord is near. You might be feeling some online. The Lord is near. So therefore you can rejoice. Paul was setting a metrodome. A metrodome is a Greek word. It's two words. It means measure and it means law. So the measurement of Christianity, the reason Jesus came, Elohim, God with us, is to be near with us. That's why he said he will never leave us, forsake us. So that is the measurement. Now the measurement of Christianity, once we believe that, we then walk into the law of Christianity. What is the law? If God is near, everything is what? Here. If God is near, everything I need is here. If God is near, everything I want is here. If God is near, everything I have is here. If God is near, everything I need is here. That's why I'm healed by his stripes. That's why I walk his life. That's why it's not my faith, but it's his faith. That's why Jesus is the beginning of all. He's the end of all. Because God is near. Everything I need is here. No expectations. Because Jehovah Jireh, my provider, is near. So guess what, homegirl? I don't need SEX because pleasure is here. It doesn't matter what you say about me because I read his word and his words say he was near. So guess what? I'm victorious and he's here. I'm beautiful. I'm wonderfully made. I'm in him. I got him. I have his being. God is near. 